Uh, I'm part of the team here. I've uh, been here for a while now, part of the furniture, if you've been around for long enough. Um, and uh, you might have noticed for the last couple of weeks or months, um, as a leadership team, we've been kind of talking about how the Lord is um, so- somehow, for some reason, for his grace and mercy, kind of leading us into a kind of um, season, a spring season. Um, and what I think we mean by that, as, as far as I understand, I'm looking in this direction because Tim Grew is over here, so he'll correct me if I'm wrong. But there's a sense in spring, isn't there? If you look in the garden, there's kind of signs of life. And the winter was necessary. The winter in your gardens are necessary, but a lot of that growth happens underneath the surface. And that can be confusing and complexing. You're kind of working hard and thinking, what's going on? And, but there's a sense that as a church family, we're entering into a spring season. And, um, and we've begun Lent this week, haven't we? And over the next four Sundays of Lent, maybe five, I think definitely four, um, we're going to just be exploring a new teaching series called Call to Live As. And really the question that we're seeking to ask ourselves is, in this season, and in any, any season really, um, how is God asking us to operate? Who is he asking us to be? How is he inviting us to relate with him in this season? I don't know if you've um, come across artificial intelligence yet. Anyone come across that? Anyone using ChatGPT in their essays? Just me? Fine. Um, but uh, I found it funny, I was flicking through the internet on BuzzFeed, as you do, to kill a moment, and um, I came across a couple of photos of celebrities doing jobs that we don't know them well enough in, um, and AI has kind of imagined what it would look like. So here's the first one, Snoop Dogg at Starbucks. Did somebody say, just eat? Um, what's the next one? I've forgotten. Ah, Bill Gates, the school, gan- school janitor. Um, my personal favourite is Morgan Freeman at B&Q. Uh, the voice of God here to serve you for your MDF needs. Um, why am I showing you this? I'm showing you this because there's something intrinsic about them where we know, because of who they are, we know that the jobs that they're operating in isn't quite what they were made to do, right? Morgan Freeman was made to be an actor. Bill Gates was made to give you a computer console. Um, and Snoop Dogg was made to, well... We're not really sure, but we're trying to work that out still. But what I'm trying to say is, um, they're not doing the thing that they were made to do. One could say they're not living the life they were made for. And you and I, we might be asking ourselves at times that question because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Like, how do we live the life we're made for? Because the job that I'm in right now isn't the job that I dreamt of. And I swear there's more to who I am, but I'm not quite sure what that is. Or it could be your housemates are doing your nutting, and you're thinking, gosh, there there best be better housemates out there, because they're making my life a living misery. They may be next to you right now, so maybe don't nudge them. Um, It might not be your housemates, it could be the course option that you've chosen, and you think, oh no, I'm a term and a half in, and I've made a mistake this isn't the life that I was made to, to live. Or maybe you're on the cusp of choosing a course for the next three years and you're worried about making the wrong choice because you don't want to be in that position. Maybe it's your physical health, maybe it's your mental health. But I think at some point in our life, we all wrestle with this question. How do we live the life that we were made to live? And tonight, to explore that, I think there's an answer, a clue for us. In God's Word, in the Gospel um, of Luke. So, if you've got a Bible, why don't you um, pull it out, turn, and flip to the page? Um, the Gospel of Luke's in the New Testament, or you can scroll to it if you like. 
Um, we're going to be in chapter 18, and we're just going to read three verses, all right? So just a bit of light reading this evening for you folks. Three verses. Um, they will be on the screen, so if you're, if you're worried about trying to download an app because you haven't got any data left because you've been watching one down Netflix when you should be at work, um, you, can, you can read the words on the screen. So three verses, Luke chapter 18, verse 15 to 17. So here we go. <clears throat> People were also bringing babies to Jesus um, for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Three verses, and we're going to go through them verse by verse and hope... Hopefully I can unpack them well enough to try and give you an insight into the way in which I think Jesus invites us to live in order to answer that question, how do we live a life that we are made to live? So the first verse reads this, doesn't it? People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Now, I don't know if, we don't know if the disciples rebuked the children. We probably know or can hazard a guess that they were rebuking the parents, the grown-ups that had responsibility for the children. And it's not clear why the disciples rebuked them. But in doing so, they were making a statement. They're making a statement, and the statement is this, that these children, they believed, were a nuisance to Jesus. They were, an, they were a hindrance to his mission. They were, a, they were a nuisance, a disruption, an unwelcome interruption to Jesus. Now, I think for some of us, we're here tonight and we feel like those children. We feel like an interruption to God. We feel like we're a nuisance to him. We, we feel like um, the children that we see interrupt Zoom calls. Have you seen these? This, this guy made it famous in 2017, before COVID. You see this, remember this? He was having an interview on the BBC, on the, on the global news, and his daughter, who's in the yellow, just like pushes the door open and bundles in. And then he actually, it's hilarious, if you've never watched the video, he literally face palms her, right? Face palms are out the way. And I think for some of us, we feel like this, the, the, the idea of coming to Jesus the, the, the person who created the universe, some of us believe, to actually come to him feels like interrupting him doing something really important. And that actually he hasn't got time for us. And I think some of us feel like that. We feel face-palmed by God. But Mark, in his, um, the Gospel of Mark, in his account of the same story, he writes this, that when Jesus saw this, when Jesus saw the disciples assuming that the children were a hindrance to Jesus, it made him indignant. And notice what Jesus does and says next, particularly to those of us tonight who feel like a hindrance to him. Let's read on, verse 16. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
The kingdom of God. Now, that's a term, isn't it, that we hear banding around, thrown around in church, in Christian circles, in our small groups, in books that we read about Jesus all the time. What does it mean? The reality is we could, as a church, spend a whole year, if not more, on teaching what the kingdom of God is, right? And in fact, that's Jesus' main message in the Gospels. So it's a good place to start if you don't know what it is, is to read the Gospels and Jesus unpacks it a little bit more. Put simply, though, um, as Michael Freeland Miller puts, um, the kingdom of God is, is God dwelling with us. And him, God dwelling with us, is his desire. That's what he wants to do. He wants to dwell with us. And Revelation, which is the kind of the end of the Bible, gives us an insight how all of this comes to an end. And that's God retur- Jesus returning and making his dwelling place among us. That's the kingdom of God. Where there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. It's an insight into what the kingdom of God will be like and what it is. It's him dwelling with us. But do you notice the word that Jesus uses here when talking about the kingdom of God? Did you notice? It's fascinating. Jesus, he doesn't say the kingdom of God is available to such as these. He doesn't say the kingdom of God is accessible to such as these. He doesn't even say that the kingdom of God is obtainable to such as these. But he says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Present tense. Now. It's a little bit like this Ford Fiesta I used to own. When I was 18 years old, I'd had a checkered history with cars, right? Um, I had a Nissan Micra as my first one, bright red. Its name was Bruno. Um, I crashed it into a back of a Jaguar. I was fiddling with the heating when I should have been looking at the road, and I went into a nice Jaguar. And um, that was written off. And then the second car I owned was a Rover 25. The head gasket blew on that one because I didn't look after that one either. So like two cars down. I, I was resigned to living a life, getting the bus everywhere, right? I was happy with that. That was okay. I'd had two chances. I'd failed. Um, I wasn't earning any money. I was at college. So there was no way that a car would be available to me. There was no way that I was going to be able to obtain it or access a car. And then one day, I got off the bus and walked home, and there stood outside my house a Ford Fiesta, blue, like this one. And I thought, oh, someone must be visiting my parents. So I I went into the house, expecting to see somebody there, but no one was there apart from my mum and dad. And I said, Dad, there's a car outside. He said, well, which one? There's loads. I said, well, the Ford Fiesta is parked directly out of our house, outside our house. Like, who, who's, whose is that? And he said, well, that's your son. That's your car. And I was like, what do you mean? It's my car. I haven't bought it. He's like, no, but I have for you. He'd done something for me. I didn't, I didn't earn it. I, couldn't, I didn't deserve it. I couldn't obtain it. But my dad gave something of himself in order to get me something that I couldn't. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Now, my dad is not Jesus. He's, he's far, far from Jesus, right? But Jesus has done for us, has bought for us something that we couldn't obtain ourselves. There's no way that we could earn the kingdom of God. There's no way that we could ob- obtain it in our own strength. But he's done it for us. You know, some of us, I think, we, we think 
wrongly, actually, that we have, we have to, in some way, to experience the kingdom of God, to experience God's dwelling with us, that we have to earn it, that we have to achieve it, that we have to do the Bible reading plan in 71 days and tick every single day off, and then God will come to us. We think that if we pray hard enough, he'll arrive. And, and whilst there is truth in that, we do still have a part to play. But God dwelling among us is not something that we can achieve, but it's something that we are to receive, guys. We can't achieve him dwelling with us. We have to receive it. And there is a part for us to play. And, and the key is in the way in which Jesus ends that, that sentence, belongs to such as these. And Daryl Bock, in his commentary on Luke, he says this. He says, the use of such as these makes a point. These children are representative and picture something very basic about kingdom members. They're representative. They, they picture something very basic. So what is that? What is it that they picture to us? Well, let's read on. Verse, um, verse 17. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, notice receive, not achieve, Receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Will never enter it. We have to receive the kingdom of God like a little child. I've got a two-year-old called Poppy who's incredible. But she is so dependent on us as parents. So dependent. And I think that's one of the keys here is that to receive the kingdom of God like a child is to be dependent upon him for everything. And that's not easy. That's not, that's not simple. That is uncomfortable. On our honeymoon, we went to Thailand and um, the travel agent told us that it'd be a good idea to go to Bangkok, Right? It's not a good idea to go to Bangkok, guys, all right? But we went, and um, the hotel we were staying in had a rooftop bar. There it is. It's called the, the, the Moon Bar, I think, in Bangkok, in uh, the Banyan Tree. And um, I booked us, you know, the good new husband that I was, I booked us a reservation at the table. can't remember what time it was. It was in the evening. So the view was kind of going to be like that. And um, so I got dressed. I got, you know, got my best shirt on, got my shorts on got my new Burks on and I walked and with my wife Melissa and we walked to where the entrance to this bar was right and the, the doorman took one look at me and went you're not coming in I went what do you mean I'm not coming in he said sir no shorts no sandals and I'm like well yeah but that's bro, that's all I've packed like I'm two weeks in in Thailand I'm going to coast. I'm on the beach for two weeks I'm not a snow person I'm a sunny holiday kind of person I've got no shorts, I've got no, I've got no shoes to wear. And he was like, oh, so, so, don't, don't worry, we, we have a collection, sir, we have a collection. I was like, what, okay, fine. So he was like, stay, stay there. So he comes out, and he brought out this like, pair of trousers and pair of shoes. 
And like I put, I then went into the toilet. I put the trousers on, and they were like honestly, they were like the baggiest pair of trousers you've ever seen. They're like it's really like they were like parachutes on my legs. And these shoes were like they were smelly, they were sweaty, they were three sizes too big for me. And I was like, I, I got access to the incredible views, incredible food, but I was so uncomfortable. I was wearing literally, it felt like I was wearing my dad's clothes. And I felt so uncomfortable. And, and I think it's a bit like what Jesus is kind of getting at here. That, that he, what he's saying is that the dress code in the kingdom of God is dependency. And for lots of us, that's going to be really ill-fitting. It's going to be really uncomfortable. But the promise is, if you're willing to put on dependency, if you're willing to dress yourself in, in, in the dress code of dependency, that the views are incredible. The food's amazing. The atmosphere is like so good, but you're going to feel like an absolute numpty. The dress code of his dwelling place is childlike dependence. You see, what I think all this boils down to is, is in our cultural moment, particularly in our world, West, Western world particularly, what it teaches us, what it forms us into is, is people of independence. And we're trying our hardest to grow in independence. We're trying to grow up. We're trying to move out. We're trying to make a difference. We're trying to grow up. We're trying to, we're trying to move out. We're trying to make a difference. And the whole time we're doing that, Jesus is trying to say to us, would you grow in dependence? And while we're seeking to grow independence, Jesus encourages to grow independence. And we're trying to grow up, we're trying to move out, we're trying to make a name for ourselves, make a difference. Meanwhile, Jesus is like, yeah, but could you just grow independence, please? Rather than growing up, would you reach up to me? Rather than moving out, would you cry out to me? Rather than making a difference, would you receive the difference that I've got for you? Would you be dependent? Would you receive the kingdom, my dwelling place, in your life now, like a child? So the call to be children is an invitation to grow in dependence upon Jesus, to reach up to him, to cry out to him, and receive the difference.